This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to Knowledge at Wharton. I'm Angie Bassiuni. During the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, hospitals and healthcare facilities across the country stopped all non-essential and elective procedures to mitigate the spread of the disease. While that may have been the right call to help flatten the curve, the decision also kept millions of women from getting routine mammograms to detect breast cancer. I'm here with Dr. Hami Song, a professor in Wharton's Department of Operations, Information, and Decisions, and Dr. Aaron Smith-McClellan, who is the Director of Data Science and Healthcare Analytics for Independence Blue Cross. They are two of the authors on a recently published research brief that examines the effect of the pandemic on mammograms. The results are profound, and the authors are here today to share that information with us. Let's get right into these numbers, because I found them to be quite alarming. Dr. Song, can you tell us what the key findings are? Uh, Sure. Thank you, Angie. Well, first of all, we found that in the 20 weeks from mid-March, where it all kind of came crashing down to the end of July, the volume of routine screening mammograms fell by 58%. If you hone into just the first four weeks of that period, we see a 99% drop, so it completely plummeted. Now, you might think, you know, routine screening mammograms, probably fine to skip them a year or delay them since it's just preventive. So what we also did is we looked at what happened to diagnostic mammograms, and these are the kind that are performed when breast cancer is actually suspected. And we found actually also really steep declines in the volume of those as well. So in the first four weeks, those dropped by 74%. And then over the course of the entire 20 weeks of our study, they dropped by 38%. That is astounding, 58%, 74%, 38%. So your, your data did find that the number of screenings did rebound in the summer months after those first initial months of COVID. Um, That's good news, right? I mean, doesn't that indicate that there's no longer a problem? Absolutely. Uh, But both, I would say, good news and bad news. So the good news is, yes, the volumes started to rebound um, by the middle of May. So in terms of diagnostic mammograms, they, um, by the end of our study period, which was in July, the diagnostic mammograms recovered to levels that were similar to previous years. Okay, Um, but for screening mammograms, those routine ones, um, by the end of July, they're still at about 14 percent below what we would expect them to be at. Now, even though uh, volumes have largely recovered for many of these, especially for those diagnostic mammograms that are really important, the not so great news is that there were a lot of mammograms that went unperformed during that interim time. Right. So that's what we'll call these missed mammograms. And in the paper, what we did is um, we did some calculations to project how long it might take to clear this entire queue of missed mammograms that accumulated over those months. And what we find that is that in the best case scenario, um, it'll take a minimum of 22 weeks. And that's kind of accounting for all the things you need to think about in terms of reducing capacity so that we can have more space in the waiting room, you know, having longer schedules so that we can accommodate patients maybe into evenings or weekends just to get those numbers back up. So that's the best case scenario. And in the worst case scenario, we find that, you know, this backlog is just going to keep growing. So that's going to mean that women won't be able to catch up on those mammograms that they missed. 
So in addition to what we've been learning about with the strain on hospitals and healthcare systems and in, in taking care of COVID patients, they're also going to have this administrative headache of trying to clear this backlog, this long queue. Wow. Dr. Smith McClellan, thanks for being with me as, as well. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us briefly about the data that you used in this study? I understand that your company, Independence Blue Cross, was instrumental in this research. That's right. Um, Independence Blue Cross and uh, Penn, uh, particularly uh, Wharton, have a really robust uh, research collaboration um, across many fronts. And uh, in this case, we used uh, de-identified medical claims uh, from 2018 through July of 2020. And we identified the diagnostic and the screening mammograms that uh, Hummy just described to uh, using a HCPCS procedure codes on those claims. And the data represent both our commercially insured and our Medicare members, uh, women over 40 who are eligible. Uh, you know, that's what the, the age when uh, mammograms start being recommended. Um, and the, uh, the data are primarily from women who live in the Philadelphia five county area. That's our primary service area and uh, represent historically 240,000 uh, screening mammograms and about 66,000 diagnostic mammograms were included in the study. So we, you know, we, uh, we use data from 2018 through July of 2020. We have that longitudinal look. So those uh, numbers I just gave you were for that historical uh, look on the data. We can, you know, see what happened in the early years and compare that to what happened more recently, um, which uh, makes it more convincing to, you know, to attribute the kind of de declines that uh, Dr. Song just described in the mammograms to the onset of COVID because we can see the previous uh, trends in, in earlier years. It seems um, like when we talk about COVID, when we look at any kind of graph related to COVID, you always see that sharp decline, whether it's uh, sales, you know, whatever the case may be, there's always that sharp decline. I find it interesting that what you're telling me is that these, these numbers represent real people. These are real cases that you were able to take this data and extrapolate from, correct? Absolutely. You know, that's, that's kind of getting at the heart of this is that these are, you know, not just interesting graphs and um, statistics, but these are real women out there who weren't able to get the the, uh, the screens and the care that they needed at that at that particular time, and uh, may have real implications that we're trying to get our arms around. What are the gaps in the data? Our data represent generally about 50% of the commercially insured population in the Philadelphia five county area in our region here. Um, we have a independence has a strong footprint in this area. Um, and we don't have data for a substantial number of women who are eligible for screening. So if they are uninsured or insured through a different uh, commercial plan or through traditional Medicare or Medicaid, they, those obviously aren't represented in our data. So we have a, a little bit of a, a blind spot there. But our data do tell uh, the story for a considerable portion of women in our communities. But, you know, certainly not all. There are people that I mentioned that we missed. Um, interesting, though, we we know that compliance is generally higher for women uh, with commercial, uh, the commercially insured women, right? Uh, and so the results that we have are, are may not um, be representative of everybody in our population, but I think the declines that we see are among those who may have been uh, the most likely to get the screening. So uh, in other populations, the story could even be a little worse, unfortunately. That makes a lot of sense. 
So, Dr. Swang, back to you. In your brief, you wrote that healthcare systems have to figure out a way to optimize care for all patients during the pandemic because preventive screenings such as mammograms will catch problems early on. So now here we are in year two of the pandemic. We've got news of these variant strains of the virus. What are the concerns for researchers? I would say, first of all, one thing to note is that best case scenario I told you about earlier we're already well beyond the point where we can even dream about achieving that. Um, of course, as we both mentioned, you know, that study concluded with data collected through the end of July. Um, you can imagine there are additional cases of missed mammograms that have really accumulated since then. So pandemic is ongoing. Case counts are still incredibly high. So there are going to be additional mammograms that are going unperformed that you can think of as essentially adding to that queue of missed mammograms. But I want to, you know, say something positive here too, which is that the environment we're in now in terms of healthcare delivery systems is really different compared to what we saw in, you know, March and April of 2020 in that, you know, many of these health systems, rather than shutting down um, completely for all types of elective care and kind of non-urgent care, what we're seeing now is that most of them are staying open. Um, you know, you, you as a patient with a non-urgent or elective need are able to go in and get seen for those, uh, th you know, those care concerns that you might have. So, you know, that does mean that more people are going in. They are getting their diagnostic mammograms done, uh, oftentimes even their screening mammograms done. Whether, you know, those were rescheduled from last year or they're just now coming due for their next one. Dr. Smith-McLellan, do you have anything to add to that? Can you talk about some of these concerns going into year two of the pandemic? Sure. You know, we have a concern that people are going to forego care that they need uh, that could identify disease, not just uh, mammograms and breast cancer that we're talking about here, but there are other uh, cancer screenings um, and uh, chronic disease screenings that people may not receive. Uh, and obviously, Early disease detection is critical uh, to help um, delay onset and manage and manage disease and, and, and even cure. So we were really concerned about the disease progression and the increased morbidity that results from delaying uh, or foregoing care. Um, and perhaps it's out of fear of going to the doctor or the hospital or getting appointments as uh, you know providers try to manage uh, patient flows, as Dr. Song was talking about. Um, and trying to fit it into their schedules, and certainly out of safety concerns for going to the hospital or going to the, the site of care where the procedure is done. Um, you know, we are working in independence. We're working very closely with our providers to support telemedicine services. I know that's not particularly helpful with uh, uh, mammograms, but in other instances, it's very helpful and uh, in making authorizations easier and, and really trying to partner with our providers to make things easier and make care more available uh, for our members and for our communities. So it sounds like this study has implications beyond just mammograms. We're also talking about other preventative care that might be for, foregone during this pandemic. But you know, when, when you look at this research, you could say, well, you know, mammograms turn out to be negative for 99% of patients. So what's the big deal if I just skip it this year? What would you say to women who are listening who might still be hesitant to schedule their mammograms out of fear of contracting COVID? Um, Dr. smith McLellan, I'll start with you. You know, in our study, we estimate that between March uh, and July of 2020, there were roughly uh, 39,000 missed screening mammograms, right? 
And uh, statistically, that translates into between 200 and 320 women who uh, experience a delay in a breast cancer diagnosis. So um, I think it's really important that they continue to go get screened. Um, we've come a long way in treating breast cancer, and really early detection is a key to having a positive outcome. So um, although the the percentages may seem low, it really impacts a, a substantial number of women, uh, and getting that early detection is is extremely important. Dr. Song, you agree? Absolutely. Uh, go get your breast cancer screening. Don't skip out on other preventive care that you should be um, going to your provider and getting seen for as well. And like we mentioned earlier, you know, providers are really paying attention to uh, the kinds of safety measures they want to be implementing and are implementing, not only honestly for their patients, but also for themselves. We need our providers to stay healthy too. So I would say, you know, if you're concerned, call your provider's office, ask them to walk you through what your visit's going to look like, what kind of safety protocols have they implemented, and hopefully that'll make you feel more comfortable going in um, for your routine care. I, uh, sounds good. You're telling us uh, don't skip out on those teeth cleanings, those eye exams, those mammograms, all of that good stuff. Um, it not only keeps us healthy, but it helps our healthcare providers clear that backlog. Thank you guys both so much for being with me today. I really appreciate this information. Thank you very much. Thank you, Angie. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more just like it on our website, along with all our articles about the latest research and business. I'm Angie Bastini for Knowledge at Wharton. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.